Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Coming up on this episode of The Dose, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. And I, and I want to just encourage people, don't just think about running for Congress or the Senate or President or Governor. Start out with your school board, your county board of supervisors, your city council, because that's where bad decisions are being made all the time that lead to even worse decisions being made at the national government level. And so my hope is that what what the result of what we're doing right now is to encourage people, because the guys in this book were talking about it, encourage people to go out and serve their country or their community or their state or the local jurisdiction of some kind in, in some capacity. You don't you don't have to strap on a gun and a badge and, and put you know put the arm around with Velcro. What you what you need to do is get engaged in the process so that we end up with good people at every level of government in this country. Hey, welcome to The Dose, the show dedicated to deep and engaging conversations highlighting individuals that are in the pursuit of authentic and courageous leadership who approach life with insatiable curiosity, bold action, and common sense in these divisive and uncommon times. It's my hope that you take something away from each and every one of these conversations, apply it to your own life, as we all intentionally attempt to become the best we can possibly be, being drawn towards our purpose and calling, committing to a life of service, making this place better than we found it, and living true lives of consequence. Today's guest fits that bill as Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Such an honor to have him on the show. He is a combat-decorated U.S. Marine, number one best-selling author. For 17 years, he was a syndicated columnist and host of War Stories on Fox News. Born in San Antonio, graduated from the Naval Academy in 1968, served 22 years as a U.S. Marine, awarded for his service in combat, the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for Valor, and two Purple Hearts for his wounds in action. From 1983 to 1986, he served as counterterrorism coordinator on the National Security Council staff, planning the rescue of U.S. students in Grenada, liberation of American hostages, the capture of the Killilore hijackers, and the raids on Muammar Gaddafi's terror bases in Libya. He was also a target for assassination by Abu Nidal's Islamic Jihad. President Reagan described him as an American hero. I agree. He's an author of 17 best-selling books. His latest one is one he co-authored with David Getch, another Marine, and it's called We Didn't Fight for Socialism, and I agree with him. It's about America's veterans speaking up, and that's what the book highlights, kind of the veteran's point of view. And I agree with him that it's important for all of us who believe in what our country has historically stood for. It's time to speak up. And I think too often we've been kept silenced because I think a lot of times people think securing our nation's future is a left versus right thing, and it's not. It's not a liberal versus conservative or Democrat versus Republican issue. It's a challenge for all of us as America. Socialism, in my opinion, is not a non-negotiable. It's not an acceptable ideology. It's not an acceptable political belief. And I was appreciative for Colonel North to come on the show and share his thoughts on it as well. So let's get on with it. Great conversation with the one and only Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North here on The Dose can't believe it colonel oliver north on my show on the marine corps birthday it doesn't get any better than that happy birthday marine semper fine happy birthday to you marine 
Yeah, you look pretty good for 246. Not bad at all. <laughs> you're, you're doing even better, buddy. <laughs> right. I've been a huge fan of you forever. I was telling you before kind of the pre-recording that it's something that you had said early on in your career that I, it stuck with me, that you always – I remember you talked about your Vietnam experience and how you were kind of getting assigned these kind of crappy assignments, and you were kind of complaining about it. And I think your commanding officer said – I only send my best guys to the toughest jobs. And so I, I, I don't know if he was telling you the truth or if that helped you in, in your crappy assignments, but uh, it's kind of a piece of advice I've stuck with me all these years. Well, I've, I've had the great blessing of, in all my life of keeping company with heroes. My dad was the first hero I ever knew, World War II hero. Uh, he and my mom met at a USO dance in Fort Niagara, upstate New York, and 1941. They got married in 42 and 43. I was born down in, in uh, San Antonio and he was already on his way to Europe, uh, actually going to, to uh, get ready for Normandy. Yeah. Uh, Patton's third army did not land at Normandy at the same time as everybody else. Right. They, they did eventually get there on the 14th. Uh, D-Day was the sixth and he was part of Patton's third army all the way up through the battle for Metz where wow. he was very highly decorated. Uh and as they say, I tell people this, that the company you keep is going to define who you are. Yeah. And I've been blessed to be able to keep company with heroes my whole life. He was the first one. And I had that confirmed. I was at a ceremony up at Fort Indian Town Gap for an army colonel that I had covered during the war, this most recent war. And uh, at the reception afterwards on the officers club, there's an old guy that comes over to me on a walker. And he says to me, you were born in October of 1943 at Fort Sam Houston. I said, yes, you're right. I said, how do you know? He said, I delivered you. Oh, I said, wow. really? He said, I'll tell you something else, Sonny. You were sired, and that's the word he used, <laughs> sired right here at Indian Town Gap. So I was the only OBGYN doctor in the entire regiment that your father was part of. They left me behind to deliver all the babies that were made right here. And that's how I know you were sired here, because the division came here from Fort uh, Niagara, in January, and we left here in April. Do the math, son. Do the math. So I, that's that was the beginning of, of the understanding of what that what life was really all about with a hero dad. And I enlisted in the Marine Corps on the 29th of December, 1961, in the Marine Corps Reserves. Got my commission from the Naval Academy because mm -hmm. I got the appointment out of the reserves, and uh, went right off to a war. I mean, my. My lovely wife and I celebrate our 53rd Congrats. anniversary on the, November 13th. So it's right three days after the Marine Corps birthday. Yeah. And so I always keep track of how many I've missed. And the kids remind me periodically that mom said that the reason she made it to 50 with you is because you were gone half the time. <laughs> it turns out it's just about right. That's yeah. crazy. So, yeah. But uh, the remarkable thing of it is, the uh, young Americans that I've been able to keep company with, one that keeps you young, number two, you go out and do dangerous and difficult things, with, as you know, not just in the Marine Corps, but in all the branches of the service. Mm -hmm. And the families make enormous sacrifices. And so when, I was with a whole bunch of Marines earlier this morning putting flags on, on little grave markers out here in, in uh, northwestern Virginia. And when you look back on those, guys, you know, you can't help but look at the dates of demise. Most of them died after the war that they were in, mm -hmm. but they also served with guys who didn't make it home. Yeah. And so I like to remind people on Veterans Day that the idea of Veterans Day is not only 
that we remember the sacrifices made by both the family members and the service member. But you also have to remember that being a veteran is, in, is, is what allows us to have an all-volunteer force. That's right. Since 1973, no one's been drafted. Yeah. And there was a lot of concern when that all happened. I mean, I remember it vividly because there are a lot of concerns that we're not going to be able to populate the necessary numbers in the service. It turns out today's military, not taking anything from you or the guys with whom I served, but today's military is the finest military our country has ever had. They're brighter, better educated, more mature in many cases. In fact, 40 some odd percent come in married and yeah. they come with children. All of those kinds of things. And we need to recognize that that's crucial to the national security of this country. So veterans like you and I have a responsibility to go out and encourage other people to raise their right hand and take that same oath you and I took. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, sometimes when you walk, when, when you talk to people, when, you, when I got away from it, I told you when I got out of active duty and I was sort of working in the corporate arena, I just kind of assumed everybody understood the process. And it was weird. I mean, some people thought I lived in Quonset huts, you know, that they were thinking of going <laughs> over a pile. And, or they thought I joined the Marine Corps because I needed money for college. I'm like, no, I, I joined because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself and, and that I love this country. And that is the vast majority that sign up for the military. I mean, I, a lot of people, they think that's the last resort for people. And it's just like, it's just, I haven't found that to be the case. I, I, it, well, it's it, not the case. It isn't the you're, case, right? No, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, if you look at it, uh, the quality of the person coming in has already been pretty well established. Yeah, agreed. I mean, so for example, you're already more physically fit than the average, you know, bear walking around out there. Number two, you're better educated. High school, high school diploma is the minimum, right? The average coming into the service right now is about 13 and a half years of education. So in other words, post high school education. Yeah. And I'm talking specifically about the Marine Corps now, where I spent most of my time over the last 17 years. And you look at the extraordinary abilities of these guys. They've been taught chemistry, physics, uh, uh, biology. They, they know how to use multi-million dollar equipment. I mean, your average Lance Corporal, who is a, who's probably not supposed to be a fire team leader, but he is, mm -hmm. right? And the corporal is now the squad leader. Mm -hmm. That should be a sergeant. If you look at those folks that we've got today, they're absolutely remarkable. And quite frankly, underrepresented in American business today. Absolutely. So, so every time I go out and talk to a business group somewhere, I say, you know, your number one mission ought to be to recruit guys who've been in the service because they're going to be more responsible, more accountable than anything you've ever seen in, oh, yeah. in the civilian workplace. And, and, and it works. I mean, I, I see people vet, you can't put up a sign that said veterans only need to apply, right? Can't do that. <laughs> right. right. But you can put up a sign that said veterans wanted. And I see signs like that after I've gone out and banged people's head against, you know, the, the media, our colleagues in the media mm -hmm. are out there talking about all the negative things I that know. the guy does. It's only a negative story. It's the only, quite frankly, even on Fox. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I love Fox paid me a lot more to get shot at than the Marine Corps did. <laughs> right. right? So, yeah, right. Uh, thank you. My wife, thanks you. And my kids, thank you. Yeah. But the, the reality of it is most people think, gosh, hiring a guy out of the military, walking in off the street, He's going to go postal on me. Yeah. Well, it's much more likely that someone who is postal goes postal than a U.S. Marine who's been in combat. Right. Okay. There is such a thing as post-traumatic stress. The, the corpsman that saved my life in Vietnam was subsequently terribly wounded. Shard of an 82 millimeter mortar round went into his head, stuck out of his helmet, about as big around as my little finger. 
Okay. And shortly thereafter, he was terribly, that's the wound he had. He taking care of my second chest wound already. And I thought he was dead. And I, years later, I was over covering the war. I think I was in Iraq by then. I had said something on air about PTS. In fact, I said post-traumatic stress disability, PTSD. And I will, while I was overseas, my secretary, my executive assistant, Marsha Fishball, God bless her, 27 years she spent with me. I mean, think about that. That poor woman. She's a saint. Her husband, her husband, dear friend, three, three tours as an Army helicopter pilot. And in between each tour overseas in the war, he'd come back and teach people how to fly, something you were doing mm-hmm. at one point in your life at Fort Rucker, right? And so Dave uh, came back because he was exposed to so much Agent Orange, he ended up with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, beat it, which is very rare because once yeah. it's advanced, most That's people don't make it. Yeah. He did make it. Now has ALS. Marsha hmm. would, Marsha, when I would come back, she'd make a list of all the calls that come in, right? And she'd hand it to me when I came to work the next day. And on the top of it was a, a, a says, this, this fella uh, says his name is John Fowler. Uh, and he's at Bethesda, the big naval hospital, uh, with PTSD. And there's his phone number. I said, well, first of all, Doc Fowler was killed. And so that's, that couldn't be. And, and, in, in my line of work, there's a lot of people, they'll call in and say, you know, my husband, Frank, yeah. uh, thinks the world of you. And, and you guys served in the SEALs together when you invaded Mars. Can you call? <laughs> I mean, it's, that happens. Right. And so I thought this was one of them. Across the, walk in the next day. He's back on the list. And I start to tell her again, and she hands me the phone and dials a 301 area code. And thank God it went to a message that said, you reached the office of Cap- Commander Jack Fowler, head of the PTS. TBI and chronic pain unit at Naval Hospital Bethesda. I lost it. Oh my God. So I thought all those years he'd been gone and we're now reunited and very oh close my friends. God. He's, he's Great. one of the lead shrinks in the, in the U S Navy took him two years to recover, finished college, went to, went, then went on to become a Navy doc. Right. And, and an expert on TBI, he had it and PTS. And which he says, look, you could be PTS E or PTS D. And it's pretty much up to you, meaning enabled or disabled. And so he's treated a lot of guys. I've, I've seen him all over the country. I, I see him little. They'll walk up to me in a, in, a, in a strange circumstance and say, you look a lot like Ollie North. <laughs> and and this, this has happened. And it's in my con- if I'm with my wife, I'll say, well, it's a good thing I look like Ollie North because I'm sleeping with his wife. <laughs> And, That's awesome. And of course, she's she's been through this so many times. Yeah. And on one of those occasions, a guy says to me, he says, you better watch yourself. He's a U.S. Marine. He'll kick your butt. And he walks away. <laughs> right. And she says, didn't see that one coming, did you, uh, mister? Such funny. initial awareness. Well, th- but those things happen because he's so effective at treating people mm-hmm. and, and helping them recover from it. And, and that's what my foundation, that's what Freedom Alliance does. Yeah. That's, that's our purpose. Well, a lot of people, I... I said this and I got away from it. The Marine Corps is a very love. It's, it has, was the most loving organization I've been a part of. And a lot of people, yeah. they don't associate love with the Marine Corps, but I do. It's the most loving organization I've ever been a part yeah. of. And uh, a lot of people don't get that. And it's because we, we sacrifice so others may prosper. If I, if I don't bring my sleeping bag and you're my CEO, you, I, you give me your sleeping bag and you yeah. eat last, all that kind of stuff. I just took for yeah. granted. And when I got out in the real world, I'm like, any modicum of Not success I've had, same. any modicum of success I've had, is directly attributed to the time I spent in the Marine Corps. Bar done. 
Well, I'll tell you that that's, that is a common thread in the lives of the Marines. And, and, and I have to say, I got an army brother. In fact, he's my younger brother. He was actually commissioned before I was because uh, he went straight through ROTC and a Navy brother. And they, they have the same kind of attitude in large part because of our dad. Yeah. You know, the dad that raised us had that kind of ethic. Otherwise, the soldiers that were following him at Metz, the big fortress city on the border with Germany, they, he, he wouldn't have survived either. So I'm alive today because my Marines looked after me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that, that platoon sergeant telling you, you know, sir, you take care of us, we'll take care of you. I mean, that stuff, that sinks in, yeah. you know. That's great. I, I Again, I could t- talk Marine Corps. We could be eight hours on this thing. I want to make sure that we talk about your great new book out there. First, I, I want to thank you, too, for writing Veterans Lament. And that kind of, if, if I understand correctly, by doing Veterans Lament, that kind of got you to write this latest book, right? I yes. mean, that, yeah, that's what led to that. Because those guys kept calling us. Both David and I are Marines. David Getz is an incredibly talented writer. Uh, and they, was, they started calling us, in large part, it was political. But they were talking about the reasons why they did not want their kids to go serve in our military. And I find that's alarming to me. So he and I went back and started re-interviewing some and and going out and finding others whose focus is right there in this book. And that's we didn't fight for socialism. And what they're saying is whether they serve three years or 30 years, they're concerned about the direction our country's going. I hope. I'm not trying to be blatantly political, but I'm I'm here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We just straightened things out for the a first bit. time in, yeah, that's right. in 12 years. And we've, we've now got a, a governor-elect who understands the reasons why we have what we do in, in our culture about the democratic process. It's not a democracy. Our country is a constitutional republic. It's a representative republic. That's have, right. Exactly. And so what they've got, is we have a democratic process that gets us there. And, and this is a man who, who's never been in politics before and beat a screaming leftist who's trying to get reelected as governor, because in Virginia, you can't succeed yourself. But Patrick Henry taught us you can't get reelected after somebody else has been there. So I, I look at those kinds of things that we're doing now in Virginia, where we stand a good chance, I hope, in 2022 of taking both the House and the Senate. I hope that they're good Republicans and not just rhinos. Uh, I, I'm going to go out and campaign for some. In fact, I'm going to be in California next week campaigning for a young former Marine. Of course, there are no former Marines, but a young Marine, yeah, young Marine. who's now out of the service, who's running for office. So, and I, and I want to just encourage people, don't just think about running for Congress or the Senate or president or governor. Start out with your school board, your county board of supervisors, your city council. Because that's where bad decisions are being made all the time that lead to even worse decisions being made at the national government level. Yeah. And so my hope is that what what the result of what we're doing right now is to encourage people because the guys in this book we're talking about it. Yeah. Encourage people to go out and serve their country or their community or their state or the local jurisdiction of some kind in, in some capacity. You don't you don't have to strap on a gun and a badge no. and, and, a, and and put you know put the armor on with Velcro. What you, what you need to do is get engaged in the process so that we end up with good people at every level of government in this country. Yeah, we've, we've, you know, I, I kind of took a break this summer from my show. I was kind of like, where is this show going? I was kind of getting frustrated with it. And, and I, I've steered away from politics for the most part. I mean, people know who listen to the show that I, that I am conservative. But I, I do think something's been lost 
you know, the ability to have intelligent discussions from all shades of opinion, which as you were growing up in the 60s, it seemed yeah. it happened, right? My, I remember my right. parents' friends, they were they were Kennedy Democrats and Nixon Republicans, and they played bridge right. and they would give each other hell, but they, yeah. loved, they loved each other, right? And that's right. been lost. And what I appreciate what, what you did with, with your book here is that I, I do think, you know, what, what's right is right. Unqualified truths are truths, no matter you look at it. And the further that a society drifts from the truth, which I think we have in, in large measure, the further yeah. that we drift away from the truth, the more, um, the more it will hate those that speak the truth. Does that make sense? And so that's no, what I does. think. And, and, and I'm kind of tired of being quiet about the truths of liberty, equality, freedom, and dignity which were ingrained in the founding of this country. And it's almost like you can't even talk about liberty, equality, freedom, and dignity without being labeled, you know, old school racist ideologue or something. Yeah. And I'm like, how can that be? And for me, when you look at all of these things where people where injustices have happened throughout our history, to me, it's like, what more do you need than, than the, the bill of rights and the declaration of independent? Because that's what all the great disruptors in our society did. Frederick Douglass picked up the bill of rights and yeah. said, explain to me how I don't fit in this. And when you approach it that way, nobody, you can't, you can't argue against it. Right. Yeah. And so and what bothers me is we got this kind of small minority of people who want to dismantle all of that and rebuild it. That's what's frightening to me. Well, and unfortunately, we now have people who have that belief in the top level of our government. I know. I mean, if you, if you look at what's transpired over the course of the last, it's not even a year yet, and the elimination of all the kinds of things that made us great. And I'm not ascribing this particular president to be an evil person. I, I don't believe he's got all his mental faculties. Right. Someone else around him is giving him terrible advice. I mean, if you believe, and I do believe, that Milley and McKenzie were telling the truth when they testified in both the House and the Senate Armed Services Committees, that they recommended, in the case of Afghanistan now, that they recommended that U.S. forces remain until the last Americans were gone, that they keep Bagram and several other bases with a maximum number of 2,500, most of whom would have been Marines. Yeah. And, and hang on to what we've got there until everybody is safely gone. I believe that they, they gave him that advice. Someone, even whether, whether his mental faculties are there or not, someone near to him is giving him contrary advice, and it's damaging to the United States. Absolutely. Afghanistan is a, is a disaster that we're going to feel for decades. Long time. I remember Saigon. Saigon was awful in 1975. Not nearly as bad as this. Okay, there are thousands and thousands of Americans, America, people who helped Americans, the, the interpreters, the, the, the Terps, as we call them yeah. over, over there. They were the Terps. And, and thankfully, we got ours out. The guys that I worked with, we got them out. Some of them before and most of them afterwards. When in looking at what's transpired since then, the damage that's being done to our country, the disavowal of the very kinds of liberties that you and I cherish. We have the government of the United States telling Private employers, you're got to, you have to fire people who don't get this, this injection. And, and there's now going to be a new OSHA regulation. It's yeah. probably going to pass both houses of Congress. And at that point, it becomes a law. It's not just an executive order. Think about what that means, that the government of the United States is going to order a private employer. Let's pick an airline, right? Or anybody who's got more than 100 employees. Right. And that includes many small businesses. 
small businesses are defined by the SBA as 500 or less. Yeah. If you, if you, if you think that's constitutional, I beg to differ. It's not all I am. And you are Richard of guys that raised our right hands, took an oath to support and defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic bear true faith and allegiance to the same. We took that oath believing that what we were defending is that constitution. Yeah. And the constitution is now being, if you will, salami sliced. Yeah. That's, by, by the by an administration in Washington that doesn't seem to understand it. That's dangerous. It is dangerous. And and what I appreciate about this book is that you 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 basically gave voice to the veterans. I mean, that's really what the book is about. That's what I love the unique approach yeah. to it because you're letting the veterans speak up. And myself as a veteran, I know in these, these in fact I was talking to a uh, old went to high school with him and he graduated from the Naval Academy in ninety one. So we got commissioned about the same time. You have and no I, idea how old that makes me feel. I know, right? <laughs> well, and he, I am old. He went to his 30-year reunion at the Academy just last two, two weekends yeah. ago, and he was telling me how many – they were like, God, I don't know if I want to send my son here. I don't want to send my son here, which is sad, right? And it really made me sad to think that. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's time to speak truth, uh, truths or truths, and I'm kind of tired of, of – I'll be – blunt with you. I, I have four daughters and I lost one of my daughters to this kind of political ideology. Like she's estranged herself from the family because of she's 22 and she kind of bought into all of this stuff. So it's very personal for me, right? That, that sure. somebody would believe some of this stuff and how, you know, I don't like getting labeled anymore of like, well, you don't understand. No, I'm, I'm here to seek to understand. I'm here to tell all, sure. tell all the truth. And I think you're the same way. If we tell all of our truths, warts and all, when you see the whole picture, you cannot, in my opinion, look at the United States and say, what a wonderful country. Because all the stuff that was put in place by these flawed men, they were great men, but they were flawed. But because of of simple things of like Thomas Jefferson saying where he was going to take from the Magna Carta saying – you know, all free men are created equally. Said no, we got to take free out of there and put all men. Because he intentionally did that. As bad as people like to, well, he was you know, fathered a child yeah. from a slave and all this up. But he set the stage, right? Yeah. So that all Absolutely. this stuff could happen. And it, well, it bothers me that people don't see it that way. Well, let, let me give you a little encouragement. Betsy uh, and I, fifty third anniversary coming up here in a few days, and the good Lord blessed us with a daughter, a son. A daughter, daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean by the youngest. Okay. Dornan, if you're listening, listen carefully. Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's the good news. I, I would go to, you know, I, I, did, I probably did miss half my what, half my marriage. Okay. Gone in the Marines and covering wars and things like that, which I, I look back on, I missed a lot. We now have 18 grandkids. Wow. Okay. 11 boys, seven girls. And I'm now seeing things in my grandkids or grandchildren that I never saw because I was never around when the kids were being raised. So here's the good news. I, on all three daughters, didn't happen with our son, but did, all three daughters, there was a moment in time when I went out the door as the Oracle at Delphi. I knew more. They, would, they could ask me any question and I had the answer. Yeah. How to put that wheel back on the bicycle, how to pump up the tire, what, whatever it was, how to build the dollhouse. But, and I came back in the door that afternoon or evening or probably the next morning when I saw them. And I was the idiot, the village idiot, the same guy that had been the Oracle of Delphi. One is now that here's the really good news. 
eventually, Lord willing, they find good husbands. But most importantly, once they start having children, they come back. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're the oracle at Delphi again. Their, their politics may not be entirely the way it was before, but they're back in the fold. Yeah. And that's happened with all three of our daughters. And, and we are blessed to have, you know, you and I both know people very successful by the definitions of our culture, which means money and the right kind of car and the right kind of house and the right kind of swimming pool and all that. The fact is they know, I, I, you've heard me say it a couple of times, that the company you keep mm-hmm. defines who you are, right. right? You and I were blessed to be able to keep company with Marines. Mm-hmm. And what happens in many piece, many, many families that are, that are deemed to be, quote, successful or prosperous even, is they got really screwed up kids. And we don't. I mean, in large part because their mom raised them right. Yeah. You know, we went military-based schools, parochial schools, Christian schools, homeschooled. We did it all. We moved nine times in 22 years. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that jerks kids out of their socks, man. Mm-hmm. And our kids turned out to be great. That's yeah. why we ended up with 18 grandkids. Yeah. There's a there's a wonderful passage. I I, mean, I don't want to run out of time on this, yeah. but there's a, uh, the 14th birthday is the only birthday that in which I just get to give a present. And it's the present is a box, but not that big. Uh, there's a note on the top of the box that says, if you, if you learn to use everything in this box, you'll never go hungry. You'll never be lost and you need fear nothing. And I will show you how that's why I get to give the present. Open up, and now, of course, it used to be a surprise, but now with all the kids have seen it, and they're, they're, they're waiting for it. First thing they take out, take out of the box, copy the Holy Bible, right? There's mine right there. And it's open to Proverbs. Why? Because there's 31 Proverbs, and there's 31 days in most months. So today being the 10th of November, if it was one of the kids' birthdays instead of yours and mine, because of the Marine Corps, I would say start on Proverbs 10 and give me a book report when you get back to Proverbs 9. And I, I want a book report. And then the next thing that they find underneath the Bible is a lensatic compass and a map sheet. Remember land nav at, yeah. at, Qu- oh, yeah. at Quantico? Yep. There you go. <laughs> Engineer stake, welded ammo box, yep. a number inside the box. And I teach them how to do that because someday the GPS system ain't going to be there because the communist Chinese are going to knock it out of the sky. That's <laughs> so true. And the third thing in there is a 20-gauge shotgun. It's a Remington 870. It's a pump gun. And it's a youth gun because it's got a youth stock on it. And I could put a longer one on later. It's 20 gauge. So it's not going to knock them over. I'm going to teach you how to take it apart and put it back together, how to clean it, how to safely shoot it, how to hit a, hit a clay pigeon with it. And then I'll take you out hunting. So you can eat, right? You can eat what you shoot. So those kinds of things I learned from others, but I've used them in our family to great success. And I hope I've taught some other families how to, how to weather the storms that are out there. Yeah. Because this is a tough time. It is. I mean, if you've got a teenage kid right now, you look at what they're up against. It's tough. And, it, and it's in the public schools here in, in Virginia, we've been told boys and girls can use the same same restrooms because there's no, no there are no pronouns of male, female. I mean, it's nuts because we got a crazy governor and we've up until now, we we're going to fix that in January. Right. Richard, it's great to be with you, buddy. Oh, Holly, you're you know. a great American. I would love to bring you back. There's so much more to explore with you. But, guys, the book is We Didn't Fight for Socialism. Oliver North and his, his writing partner, David Getch, two great Marines. Um, I really enjoyed the book, Ollie, because, like you said, you're, you're, you're basically hearing from the vets. And so it's yeah. like you were, like, speaking my language. I think it's something that we need to look at. I don't care if, if you think it's political or not. You need to look at it because there's a lot of great history lessons in there. You did a really good job. 
Thank Holly. you. I really appreciate that. Uh, will you come back sometime? I'd love to do this. You count uh, on it. Yeah, good luck on, on good luck on your book tour. Thank you for taking the time to do Thanks, this, buddy. and good luck on your next interview coming up. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Semper Fi, Marine. Semper Happy Fi, birthday. Dog. Happy birthday to you. Man, I was excited to have him on the show. My thoughts for this, it was too short, and my apologies for that, but he had a hard stoppage, and we actually lost about 15 minutes of potential conversation because of a technical difficulty trying to get connected. We had trouble connecting for whatever reason. But I was so glad he came on. He was here to talk about we don't we didn't fight for socialism. America's veterans speak up. As a veteran, as a um, fire marine corps officer, I truly appreciate that. I know all my peers that are veterans. This idea of socialism really is a top priority for us, and I do not consider this a negotiable thing. To me, it's not liberal versus republic or conservative or Republican versus Democrat or left versus right. It really is against two ideologies that historically. Um, there's really no argument against which one's better. I'm going to always stand for individual liberty, self-determination, free enterprise, personal responsibility, and equal opportunity. I'm all for that, and socialism does not provide that. Historically, has never provided for that. Socialism always leads to tyranny, corruption, and despotism everywhere, and that's what really what we're up against. And so part of this and part of this show is to you heard me say make the place better than you found it if you're going to do that we have to we have to embrace life liberty and pursuit of happiness there's no other way it's non-negotiable non-negotiable so some people are afraid to talk about it because in this day and age you get labeled you know a right winger or a trumper or whatever you know, racist or a white supremacist all of that is horseshit so to me it's non-negotiable Freedom or socialism? I'm always going to go for freedom. That's my that's my take, guys. Let me know what you think. Hope you're finding some value in this show. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me at richard.doseofleadership.com or go to doseofleadership.com and you can check out all the services, my speaking, my coaching, my consulting. And if you're, please follow me on your favorite podcast application. It would mean the world to me. And if you're finding some value, particularly in Apple Podcasts, write a review. And if you do, I'll read it on the air. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.